You are listening to A Taste of Romumu, a Jcast Network podcast. For more information about Romumu, please visit romumu.org. For more information about the other Jcast Network podcasts and blogs, please visit jcastnetwork.org. There's an old Cherokee saying that says, it's hard to see the future with tears in your eyes. It's hard to see the future with tears in your eyes, and certainly this is a week that was full of tears. A week of of unspeakable shock, of of harrowing images and haunting, haunting reminiscences of a time when Jews were vulnerable to the most heinous acts of those who surrounded them, where there was nowhere for us to go. A time when being in a synagogue or walking down the street, regardless There was no safety, there was no shelter. I know that I woke up the morning of of the massacre and I couldn't believe my eyes, I couldn't, couldn't breathe. There was something, there was, it was eerie, it was There's no way to imagine the immense pain that we as a community experience and also the anguish that is being felt at this moment here, tonight, Shabbat. For the families of Moshe Tversky and Arye Kupinski and Avram Shmuel Goldberg, for Kalman Levine, all of them, Zichonam Livacha, they would be sleeping now huh, after a, a Shabbat meal with their families. They might have prayed the evening prayers in that synagogue that they were in and then walked home slowly with their children hand in hand. They might have opened the door to their apartments and had someone say, Shabbos, Tata. There's a pasuk, there's a verse in Eicha that says, Is it possible that in a mikdash, in a sanctuary of God, a kohen, a priest, and a prophet could be, could be murdered? We are with those families. We are with them in their grief. We are with them in their pain. We are with them in in their yearning to make this a unique Shabbat. Shabbat after the atrocity. The family sent out a letter asking all of us to spend this Shabbat doing acts of baseless love. Avat chinam. I'll read you that letter in a minute, but we are with them. So it isn't an enviable position for me to be standing here because all I want to say to you is, what can I say? Everything we, I can say we just did for an hour. 
which is sing, which is cry out, which is hopefully move in our bodies, feel the aliveness that we've been granted for another moment, another moment of grace, another moment of who knows, of uncertainty. Another Shabbat is here. The ground beneath our feet is firm. We are thankfully protected here in this sanctuary. And we join together with all people of every faith, wherever they are, who call out in the name of peace and say, this is how it should be. This is the vision of the prophet that a day will come, that my house will be a house that will be a prayer for all people, and we will stand together, seated by the waters of Babylon, and looking at each other and saying, there goes the image of God. There she is, there he is, there they are, all of you. So what more can I say? I, I called up a rabbi, a dear friend of mine, whose father... Um, was the rabbi who liberated Buchenwald. And I called him up. I said, JJ, and I started to cry. And he said to me, David, there's a piece from Rav Soloveitchik, who was the grandfather of one of the murdered rabbis. There's a piece from the great Rav Soloveitchik, the Rav, in his sefer called Dodi Dofek, the voice of the beloved Knox. And this is an excerpt of that teaching. This is the grandfather of Moshe Tursky, the great Rav Soloveitchik, writing decades ago, the fifth knock of the beloved is perhaps the most important. For the first time in the annals of exile, divine providence has amazed our enemies with the astounding discovery that Jewish blood is not cheap. God did not seek honor and recognition. He wanted Pharaoh, Moses' contemporary, to know that he must pay a high price for his edict that every male child born shall be cast into the river. His present desire is that the blood of the Jewish children who were slain as they recited the 18 benedictions of the daily Amidah shall be avenged. A people that cannot defend its freedom and tranquility is neither free nor independent. That's what my friend sent to me. And I understood the sentiment. I understood his rage. I understood his desire to invoke the grandfather of a slain rabbi to say, yes, Jewish blood is not cheap. True. These lovers of Torah, these lovers of goodness, of learning and living a holy life, who with their backs turned to the wall to pray to God were ambushed. I understand the sentiment. But I can't say the words, I can't ever say the words, God will avenge anything. When I hear people saying, Hashem yikom damam, that God will avenge their blood, I'm so uncomfortable. I want justice, I want peace, I want love, I want compassion. But even if they say to me, you know, I didn't say we should avenge their blood, but God will. I'm still uncomfortable. I don't want vengeance. I don't want retribution. I don't want payback. I want peace. And so I said that to my friend. I said, you know, I love you so much, and I'm going to read this in my shul, because you sent it to me. I promised to bring in the words of Rav Soloveitchik because he was the grandfather of Moshe Tversky. And I wanted his words to be here because he, he loved 
he loved his grandson. They, I was reading stories about Rav Soloveitchik's, the apple of Rav Soloveitchik's eye was Moshe Tversky, his, his eldest grandson. You can only imagine if he had been alive. But I said to my friend, you know, I want to say something else that you told me a couple of months ago, and that's what I want to give over to my people tonight. Not, we will avenge their blood, or God will avenge their blood, but a Torah you taught me from your father who walked into hell to liberate the Jews of Buchenwald, who walked into hell and saw before him the cheapness of Jewish life, and who taught you something when you were younger, and you taught it to me two months before Yom Kippur, and I want to tell it to everyone here tonight. Your father, I said, asked you when you were a little boy, said, little JJ, what is the meaning of the Hebrew word sha'ah? Sha'ah. And JJ said to his father, what do you mean, Tate? He said, what do you mean, father? What Abba? Sha'ah is, what's a sha'ah? A sha'ah is in an hour. Sha'ah is the word in Hebrew for hour. H-O-U-R, a unit of time, 60 minutes, one hour. So he said to him, he said, JJ, what is the meaning of the Talmudic saying, there is one who acquires his world in an hour? There is one who can acquire his life in one hour. And you know what? JJ was a good student. He said to his father, he said, what do you mean, Abba? It means that your whole life can, you can have your whole life in one moment. Right? Everybody has their day. Everybody has their hour. And so his father sent him back. He said, you know, JJ, that's, that's the simple meaning, but I want you to find the first time in the Torah where the word sha'ah appears. So he looks in the Torah. He says, that's going to tell you the meaning of the word. Go to the Bible and find me the first place the word sha'ah appears. And J.J. does his diligence. He opens up the Bible, skims through, comes to the story of Cain and Abel. Cain and Abel, two brothers out in the field, and one brother slays the other brother. And it says there in that story, Ve'al-Kain ve'al-minchoso lo sha'ah. And to the offering of Cain, of Cain, Adam raised Cain. To that offering, God lo sha'ah. God did not turn. And this liberator of Buchenwald turned to his son and said, sha'ah means to turn, to turn towards, to face. Yesh koneh olamo b'sha'achat means there's one who acquires the world not in one hour, but in one turn. One turn is your whole world. Every one of us builds our world by turning. Which way will you turn? Will you go to shul that morning or not go to shul that morning? Did you go down that street or not down that street? Small turns. But there's a different turn in this week's reading tomorrow morning in our wisdom literature that I want to leave you with because this is the turning that I'm thinking about tonight and yesterday and the day before and the day before. We will read tomorrow morning about that mythic struggle between Jacob and Esau, between these two characters, twins, one born red, the other one born sneaky, a heel who comes from behind. And the Torah will begin tomorrow morning with another barren matriarch, but this barren matriarch won't have to wait long. She will become pregnant with twins. And the Torah tells us that Rebecca, Rivka, will become pregnant with twins. 
and the twins will wrestle within her womb and Rebecca will let out a yell. Really one of the most powerful statements in the entirety of Jewish literature. She feels the suffering, the pain of having this, this inner conflict and she writes, what does she say everybody? If this is the way it is, if this is my suffering, if this is the way it should be, if this is what I, I didn't ask for this, to have this kind of pain, Rebecca says, I'm not sure that I want to exist. Why should I, I, why should I exist? And then she does something amazing. Her question, her pain, her angst, her existential dilemma, her worrying, her discomforting, her discomforting leads her to then seek out Adonai, to seek out source, to seek meaning and purpose, to go understand what is like the Buddha. What is this suffering? What is it that I am holding? A few verses later, there's another Anochi, another I in this week's reading. Esau is coming back from the field. He's exhausted. He's tired, and Jacob is sitting, making a little bit of stew. And Jacob says, listen, if you want some of the stew, it's fine, but you just have to sell me your birthright, right? We know this one, right? We know this one, David? And what's the line that Esau says to his brother when he says to him, give me some of your stew? He says, please give me some of that red stuff because ki ayef anochi, for my eye is weary. Two moments tomorrow morning. One is where a woman says, I'm in pain. I wonder why I am. Why is my anochi? Why am I here? And what is her response? She says, wow. I got to figure this out. What's happening? What's going on? And Esau, who comes back and he's tired, he says, I'm weary, my exhausted soul. Ayef anochi, I'm tired. Vayimkor esav es bechoroso, vayivez esav es habechora. And esav, when we're so tired we can't make the right choice, we throw our birthright out the door. We take that birthright and we say, oh, here. When we're exhausted, we say, okay, goodbye. When we don't have the cough, we don't have the energy to make a turn, a small turn, a turn towards love, a turn towards compassion, a turn towards seeking, towards drishat Elohim. Then we, all manner of things are sold out at that moment. Yesh kone olamo b'sha'achat. There is one who acquires their world with one turn. Do I turn, as Rebecca did, towards Drishat Elohim? Do I turn, as Esau did, towards Mechirat HaBechorah? Do I turn towards seeking, asking, softening? Or do I turn towards selling, running? I know Esau gets a bad rap, everybody. It's a useful ploy. These two places are not Esau out there and Rebecca out there. There's Esau in me and Esau in you. And clearly it was Esau this week for those four widows plus Zidane Saif. 
the heroic Druzy soldier who left behind a newlywed wife and a four-month-old daughter. There's certainly a lot of turning that they can turn, but this is not the way they turn this Shabbat. I want to read to you this letter that I mentioned earlier. This is Rebecca's turn. From hearts that are broken and souls that are are soaked with tears for the blood of the Holy Ones, the heads of our families. We turn to you, our brothers and sisters, in any place that you are. Please come together to increase compassion and love and accept upon yourselves to bring about solidarity and brotherhood and sisterhood between us, between communities, between cultures and societies. It is our request that each and every one of you makes an effort on this Shabbat, Shabbat of Toldot, to bring this day as a day of Ahavat Chinam, Rebecca's turn. Let it be a day that is absent, where we withhold any language of, of, of conflict, of gossip, of talking about each other in the wrong way. And may this move elevate the souls of these fathers of families who were taken. And may the source of life from above see our tears, see our compassion, and may she lift us from this narrow place to bring about a better world. May it come soon. And they write, Amen, Amen. I want to bless each and every one of you, you know. That choice is always there between turning in Rebecca's turn or in the other way. To keep the heart open regardless. To keep the heart open, we have to make it happen, folks. We have got to find a way to stop this cycle. We have got to find a way. We have got to find a way to turn and ask. If this is the way it has to be, what more do we have to do to figure it out? I call upon this community and all communities, wherever they are, to put an end to violence. All communities, wherever they call out in the name of God, to not soil that word any longer with the blood of innocent human beings. May God give comfort to those families. May God give comfort to all of those who are mourning tonight in Israel. And may God also bring a modicum of comfort and ease wherever there is suffering now in that place. No more suffering. No more bloodshed. 